0: Hollywood, it's rated LGBT radio, starring your host, Rob Watson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Rated LGBT Radio, and I am your host, Rob Watson. Um this show, obviously, we we obviously tape it at a certain time and place um, when we do a show, and then it is available for podcast um, on an ongoing basis, and people will listen to a lot of our podcast a year, two years after we have recorded it. Um, this show is being recorded on a day that is historic. Um, just minutes ago. Uh, New York Grand Jury indicted former President Donald Trump um, on felony charges. The charges are currently sealed um, but uh, may imminently be unsealed, so we will understand the details. Um, But if you're listening to this podcast in the future, there you go. We've just identified the exact moment um, when this podcast took place. Um, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that indictment because we have one of um, the country's great legal minds as a guest, just uh, by coincidence. Um, uh, And so I I think it'll be sort of like trying not to talk about it, but um, I'm sure we will address it at some point during the show. The um, real topic of our show, we've got a couple of hot topics going on, Um, also fixed in history Um, if you're listening to the show at a later date, is um, a horrible shooting that happened this week in um, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, The shooter blew through the side door of a school killing three eight and nine-year-olds and three administrators all in their 60s. The um, only reason the shooter did not kill more people was law enforcement um, broke in and within 15 minutes had cornered the shooter and shot them. Um, the shooter does identify as, or as it has been reported, identifies as transgender. Um, that doesn't excuse anything. That doesn't make the crime less horrible. Um, it, it makes it what it is. Um, There are obviously mental health issues involved, um, and it is a horrible thing. Of course, the opportunistic right wing of this country, first of all, are absolutely opposed to any infringement on the real cause of these type of shootings, which is our unfettered gun access and gun violence. Um, And they are opportunistically using the fact that the shooter was transgender to attract all transgender people and to frame all transgender people in a position of hate crime uh, inspired inspired, um, individuals. And um, they are to the point that today where the Biden administration Mm -hmm. recognizes the transgender day of visibility Um, and made comments about the transgender population of our country being under attack. Um, The right-wing wackos got onto Twitter and had up to 30,000 tweets under the um, heading of Christian children. So what they're trying to do is create the narrative where transgender people are assassins going after Christian children. And um, that that is anybody who is uh, sympathetic, empathetic, and, and advocating for transgender people are therefore Christian t- children killers, um, which is absurd and horrible. Um, the big voices of the conservative movement have all been part of this, from Tucker Carlson to Margie Taylor Greene to the New York Post. Um, you know, they are all on this bandwagon and they, quite frankly, feed blood in the water and they are doing everything they can to be as opportunistic about it and create more hatred um, that they can. Um, so we will be talking about that. We are also um, going to be talking about a case in front of the Supreme Court from a uh, graphic artist uh, in Colorado uh, called 303 creative and this graphic artist does not want to do designs for LGBTQ couples she wants the right to put that on her website probably proclaiming that and that is against Colorado's non-discrimination laws so there are no gay couples that are trying to get her to do this or infringe on her 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 biases and her prejudices no one is trying to do that, but she is still driving this, this uh, case up to the Supreme Court. So, um, like I said, we have one of the, the country's greatest legal minds um, on deck who will talk to us about all of this. Um, that is Shannon Minter. Shannon serves as the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights, um, and uh, we obviously have a lot of questions for him. Um, Before we bring Shannon on, I do want to welcome Brody Levesque. Um, Brody is the producer of the show and the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. Um, And obviously he is watching The Wire as as we do the show to get um, all the latest breaking details. But for now, welcome to the show, Brody. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Rob. Um, Yeah, so here's what we've got. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted in New York City on charges related to a $130,000 payment made by his former attorney and fixer Michael Cohen to adult film star Stormy Daniels in the final days of the 2016 presidential uh, campaign. This money was allegedly paid to prevent the actress from publicly saying that she had had an affair with the former president. This is an unprecedented indictment and it marks the first time in history that a former U.S. president has been criminally prosecuted. Now this comes as Trump is facing separate ongoing investigations uh, into his involvement in 2020 election interference uh, by his supporters uh, in Georgia, the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, and also a separate investigation uh, that was launched into his uh, handling of classified documents uh, after leaving office. So this is just kind of becoming a pylon for the former president. Um, at, at this point, uh, we don't have any details uh, on the indictment uh, that's still being worked through currently. Uh, so that's all we've got at this point. Uh, the pro- former President Trump has, in fact, been indicted by a federal grand jury, and it is a developing story. So, Brody, I have a
0: question for you. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things in the New York Times piece that came out about the indictment pointed out that Donald Trump is already using this as a fundraising tactic with his base. Um, obviously, he attempted to get that ball rolling last week when he announced that he was going to be be indicted um, I think it was last Tuesday or whatever, um, and that uh, he was encouraging his base to get out and protest, which really did not happen, like, at all. Um, What are you hearing, or or have there been polls to indicate what his base's reaction actually is going to be around this?
1: At this point, the polling data that we're getting, um, all of this hasn't even dinged him in terms of standing with you know, his base uh, in particular. There was a uh, Quinnipiac poll that was just run uh, comparing his numbers with uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is widely considered uh, to be the other forerunning challenger to him for the nomination, uh, and there is just a huge, massive difference. Uh, Trump pulled numbers in the 70s. DeSantis pulled numbers in the 20s. So it hasn't really damaged him at all. We're still waiting to see uh, what the party leadership is going to do with it. Uh, privately, we're being told by some Republican leaders that they're not going to back the former president. Others have been very, very, very noncommittal. Um, and, then, of course, we've got the more rabid ones like Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, of course, is angling for a VP spot. So uh, it's it's just going to be. An interesting season. A lot's actually going to hinge now on what comes out of this federal action uh, today in New York, uh, this action in Georgia, and then, of course, obviously, uh, the investigation into uh, the mishandling of classified documents by the former president. So wow. there we, Yeah. That's, so, there we
0: go. <laughs> Yeah, did you wanna did you wanna preface any of the things, the the topics that we have today? Um, You've reported on all of them in the LA Blade, which by the way, people should go check out the stories. Everything we're talking about will be in the LA Blade, which you find at losangelesblade.com.
1: Well, I I think the most important thing to note here is that the right has already picked up on the narrative um of using the descriptor and that's become the identifiable thing you know we keep hearing you know trans killer trans killer trans killer um and it's just an inaccuracy uh we're also hearing a lot of noise about this person uh being a trans activist that's patently false uh this person was a relative unknown uh we also you know are trying to get uh our colleagues in the media, uh, to quit using, you know, the preface of trans killer or trans shooter. It's a shooter who happens to be trans. We don't know all the details. Mm -hmm. The Nashville police department has not released a manifesto yet. Uh, but unfortunately due to the circumstances of this, uh, and the fact that it's just gone completely, you know, out of, out of bounds with it, which hasn't been helped at all. Um, Quite frankly, when you get people like Tucker Carlson, who went on the air Tuesday night and said, and I'm quoting him, you know, the trans movement is a mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. Um, And then, of course, Wednesday in Kentucky, uh, the state uh, legislature overruled the governor's veto of a horrific uh, ban, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, with Shannon. Um, and, and now, of course, it's going to be up to, uh, well, uh, folks like Shannon and the National Center for Lesbian Rights, the American Civil War Union, and others to fight. So this has become really kind of the, the problem area. I just did an analysis piece uh, from Media Matters, and there's a trans teacher here in California who was targeted with a bomb threat and other threats after Fox News coverage of her. Okay, in a classroom in Orange County, California. So, it, it's we're looking at the pile on, and, and we're looking at an applied narrative. And I, I think the main focus here uh, is to uh, attempt to slow as much of this down, and, and to also do some redefinition here. And we start with the shooting, you know, in Nashville. I, the main theme that should be remembered here, and 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 this is really what this boils down to is it's the guns it's the guns it's the guns it's the guns it's the access to the guns so that's really where we're at with it so um, anyway uh, I'll throw it back to you and let's talk to Shannon.
0: yep yeah I've got a bunch of other questions but I do want to bring Shannon in because Shannon probably has a lot of insight into it as well Shannon welcome to the program
2: thank you I'm really glad to be here
0: Uh, We're very glad to have you. I want to kind of change the whole subject up front, though, before we get started, um, because I know you've been dealing with something that is kind of a byproduct of global warming a whole other issue, but um, you you just recently had a huge personal tragedy with a tornado in your home, and I wanted to check in and see how you were doing.
2: Oh, goodness. Thank you so much for asking about that yeah we um, my little town got hit uh by a by a tornado and my house unfortunately was one one of the ones that got hit but we're fine all the people are fine all our uh beloved animals are fine so honestly I'm just nothing but grateful um it could have been so much worse and i'm just so sorry for my neighbors who also suffered a lot of uh a lot of damage. There were no lives lost, so that's that's the that's the blessing. That that,
0: uh, that is very good to hear, and I know it's a mess, but I'm glad to hear it will be something you'll be able to, to move over and get on. And I I'm, I fear that a lot of our our weather things are now kind of our new normal until we get a hold of global warming. But that's a whole other issue. We have a whole bunch of other figurative tornadoes hitting us this week. Um first of all, let's go to the big elephant in the middle of the room. Um what are your thoughts on the Donald Trump
2: indictment? Oh goodness. Uh you know, uh I I, I think it's uh just so important that this in this particular um investigation and indictment you know not be seen as political and and not be political you know i would guess we just have to have faith in the in the process that it's being um handled um as it should be um you know i will assume that um without until there's you know some indication otherwise um yeah uh i mean it's this is a trick this is a tricky one i mean he's some you know, the the other allegations against him, especially the ones relating to January sixth, are of such gravity, um and so serious and so important that it's hard not to be struck by the by by that and you know, that this matter is uh, very unseemly and distressing. Uh, but does you know, not uh it's it's uh, in comparison it doesn't seem to have the same sort of gravitas as some of the other issues, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, potential criminal issues swirl- swirling around him. But I, I do think it's very important that our people see that no one's above the law and also that this is being done on a very objective basis and that it's not politicized.
0: And, and obviously this is going to be a, a blind question because none of us have access to this information, but – in order to charge him as a felony, they have to have tied it to another crime uh, beyond just the the payback or payout to Stormy Daniels, um, which is complicated. In your mind as, as a legal expert, um, how comfortable would you be in this position to win that kind of case? number one, and number two, if you were the legal god, would you have had this case come first out of all of the other ones that are possibly going to come up for him?
2: Well, you know, I am not by no means a legal expert on criminal law or election law, so I don't have any idea, Rob. If, if I, I just couldn't even begin to tell you uh, the first thing about whether – there's a strong likelihood of success and linking it to an election law violation. I'm just in the same boat as everyone else, uh, just watching this unfold. And I guess we'll see we'll see what happens on on that front. And I don't. I, and I really don't feel like I have any sort of uh, informed opinion about what should be the order, you know, the order of things. If we could have some other, I don't even know if there will be other charges. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I. I I, I just would encourage everyone to, um, to, you know, we just need to, to to all show restraint and hope and hope and expect that our legal system will be conducted in a fair and impartial way, and that people who are breaking the law uh, are held accountable. I mean, it's you know, it's this he was a president who did not seem to show a lot of respect the law and I think it caused our country a a lot of damage and um, I hope you know it's important that that our elected officials be held to some sort of accountability
0: yeah absolutely no absolutely Um, especially when they're supposed to be the one most responsible for the Constitution and the enforcement of law Um, yeah it's it's really a travesty Um, let's let's pivot over to what happened this week and what were your, what are your thoughts and concerns around the Nashville shooting and how that has unfolded?
2: Oh my gosh, it was just a heartbreak tragedy. Uh, How horrific. I mean, as young kids, I can only imagine the heartbreak of those families and the grief. And it just sickens me that anyone would, would uh, do anything or say anything to take the focus away from where it should be, which is on that horrific loss of life and innocent kids. I mean, their lives cut short and that should be the sole focus for all of us. End of story period. And as Brody said, that's we need to do something about gun violence in this country. And this has certainly underscored that all of the, terrible politics swirling around us are so grossly inappropriate and so stomach turning. It really is, uh, you know, anyone who's, who's doing that should be ashamed. Anyone who's doing anything to take the focus off those families and their grief should really be ashamed of themselves.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, the, of of all the different shooting events that have taken place, for me personally, the one that still shakes me to my core because my boys were of the same age as the victims in it was the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, I wrote about it, and absolutely that to me is completely unimaginable. Um, you know, and, and that is, that is, you know, each one is horrific. You know, Pulse obviously hit very close to home. In fact, Brendan um, a Wolf, who was there as, as a friend and been on the show several times, telling about his personal experience. Um, but to your point, the the one that that I have nightmares about is, is absolutely taking your your young child to school and never seeing them again, and, and having their lives ended that way is 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 unthinkable. Um, what uh, you know the the Republican response has ranged from um, kind of the the high end of it has been, gee, there's nothing we can do, shrug, walk off, to um, all this rhetoric um, that – that uh, and the, the real issue behind the rhetoric and the hatred is obviously it is liable to stir up violence against transgender people, period, but – Also, it seems like it would fuel some of the legal things that are happening around the country against transgender people. Um, What is your thoughts on that and observations of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this person's identity has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with what happened, uh, which was just horrific forgivable act of, of, of violence against innocent children. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the only thing that matters about, um, that incident. Uh, and the only thing it should be telling us, you know, in terms of the, the, the po- politics of it all is, is, is the urgent, incredibly desperate need for some sensible, uh, gun gun control laws, uh, there, there does seem to be a common thread with many of these shootings with people who have some sort of emotional mental health issues, um, and, and we need to get serious about looking at these issues. Yeah, the the lack of leadership on the part of elected officials in our country around this is almost just unbelievable. I mean, it's, at a certain point, it becomes um, just incredible. And I do hope, have to hope and believe the vast majority of people in this country, like you were just saying, Rob, like people have kids, that people can relate to this. They don't want to have to worry about sending their kids off to school every day and the, the horrible thought of, like, what if this was my child and what if I never saw my child again, like you said, though. So, it, it's a wonder to me that we, when, on an issue like that where there is so much bipartisan agreement that we can't get anything done, I mean – I want to believe that we may finally be hitting a, that critical mass point where there is enough public pressure that finally there will be some action on that. I think the some people on the right trying to focus on the transgender identity of, of the of the person who who committed the, this horrible crime is just trying to distract attention from from those issues it is reprehensible and look we're already in an environment as you noted it's just there's uh, there's already something extraordinary and unprecedented going on this year this past couple of years with this just in almost inexplicable focus on the part of the right on demonizing and and targeting transgender people and passing a number of law the number of laws now I think in some states, uh, there. I think Texas may be one. There's literally like more than forty bills introduced targeting transgender people. Like what on earth? Like that. That is uh, clearly not. It's clearly bizarrely out of proportion to e- e- anything to do with with uh, transgender people. Like what on earth? Like. Uh, I, I don't know how to make sense of that except to uh, – I mean, I there, look, I think there's going to be social scientists and political theorists looking back on, on these few years in our nation's history and helping us unravel in retrospect what happened. What are we in the middle of here? Why is there this obsessive focus with this small minority group, less than 1% of the U.S. population, And yet attracting this wildly disproportionate number of bills and proposed laws and laws that are passing, um, I don't know what to make of it.
0: Yeah, no, it's completely unhinged. And um, in our discussions that we've had around it, I mean, the consensus is that it is not um, a legal issue. It is not a social threat issue. It is a political issue. That, um, you know, if you look at the threads of fascism and how fascism works, it plays into that kind of methodology. Um, you villainize a small group that are really not threatening anybody, um, but you make them the, the scapegoat and the target and and create a lot of fervor and ire around it. And um, then you Trojan horse in all your other um, not issues, but your intentions um, to take control and and to to save the society from the the uh, group that they've picked out, handpicked um, to attack. Um, but Shannon, from your perspective, um, having fought for civil rights in court, um, what what do you think the prospects of are of a lot of these laws when they hit the court system? Will they stand up, or um, you know, are they are they based on anything that has, you know, legs um, judicially?
2: Well, you know, we'll we, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, I am I am optimistic that many of them will be struck down. I mean, they are very extreme, especially the ones that ban medical care for transgender children uh, are are, that that has just never happened in our country before like and it is very ironic that these bills are being put forward by conservative legislators who usually are very strongly supportive of parental rights and here they're like literally taking a very cherished traditional right away from parents to make medical decisions for their children and they're saying no the government's going to step in take that decision away from you because we don't trust you parents to do the right thing for your own children. Uh, I believe that the reason we've had initial success in challenging those laws in Arkansas and Alabama is because that is such a violation of such a deep, deeply rooted traditional uh, right of parents. And so, you know, we're, we're in conservative courts in those, those states, and yet we have had initial success. I hope that continues. I hope that even this very conservative uh, current U.S. Supreme Court would be loath to put its stamp of approval on such an extreme intrusion on on parental rights. So I'm optimistic, but look, I'm not taking anything for granted either. Uh, These are pitched battles in the courts. I mean, these states are fighting uh, they're they're fighting dirty, frankly, and they're fighting, right. you know, as hard as they can, and they have unlimited resources. So – and we are – our movement is being stretched thin at this point in terms of being – having the legal firepower to, and people power to challenge all of these laws.
0: And um, I am sure one of the factors that, that makes it even more difficult is because of Trump's four years and because Mitch McConnell opened the door yeah. – To a ton of judicial appointments. There are Trump appointees, um, although some of them, they they don't always fall in line because, uh, quite frankly, a couple of them uh, threw out his claims of the stolen election, even though they were Trump appointees. But uh, certainly, they're ones that are dangerous. How do you view that path of who those, those judges are and um, will they make this even harder?
2: Well, you know, yeah, the, the, the federal judiciary is uh, definitely bears the imprint of, uh, you know, Trump's presidency um, th- that said they are, i I think the majority of judges, including those appointed by President Trump, most of them take their role very seriously and do try their very best to impartially apply the law so yeah, that's the way our system works it's what I've been struck by over you know thirty years of litigating is it's just the realization that judges are just people, and they are you know prone to the same biases and misconceptions. As everyone else, and that's the big challenge for us, no matter you know no matter who the judge is um, is there's just most people do not know anything ab- about health care for transgender kids. I mean why would they It's an incredibly small mm-hmm. number of kids unless you happen to be the parent of a transgender kid. Why in the world would you know anything about the medical care and so I can tell you litigating these cases, it feels like this overwhelming responsibility to quickly and thoroughly educate the court courts on these you know some somewhat complex medical issues and i feel like we've been doing a good job of that and as long as we can as long as you know we're in front of judges who are, are at least willing to consider the evidence i think we, we would we will definitely be okay because the evidence is overwhelmingly on our side but you know there are there are some judges out there who just really I come to this with a very closed mind, but fortunately, there's really not a lot of those in our in our system.
0: Yeah, well, that actually is encouraging to hear. Just that that the because um, I guess from my perspective, watching what happened during the Trump years, it's like, oh my God, it's it's going to be a disaster. Which of course is kind of what I look at when I see the Supreme Court and what's happened there, and I realize that. Kind of similar issue, but um, some cases bigger, some cases more isolated. But speaking of them, they have a court case in front of them from 303 Creatives. Um, what can you tell us about that case?
2: I'm really worried about it. I'm and I and I'm concerned that maybe people aren't paying enough attention to it. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. I appreciate that. Yeah, look, this is uh. This is a case where the U.S. Supreme Court is going to rule whether or not there is a constitutionally mandated exception to anti-discrimination laws that would allow a commercial business owner who does not wish to serve uh, same-sex couples to to just be able to discriminate against them on the grounds that uh, otherwise it would violate her right to free speech – The uh, business owner in this case is a a woman who owns uh, a website business. She designs websites for people, and she right now doesn't even design wedding websites, but she's made it all the way to the Supreme Court by saying, well, I would like to do that. I think I would like to do that at some point in the future, but if I'm going to be making websites for people's weddings, I don't want to do that for a gay couple because I don't believe in gay marriage, and having to do that would – Forced me to, you know, uh, create expression like a website that uh, violates my own beliefs. So this would be like a free speech violation. It's a very, anybody who knows anything about the constitutional law in this area would immediately recognize that that is a very outlandish claim. I mean, the court has never, ever, ever credited uh, claims like that I mean the, the the ironclad rule up until now has been like no 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 you're in if you're in the co- commercial arena you have a business that's open to everyone you cannot invoke the amendment as a license to discriminate you have to provide your services on an equal basis to everyone and it doesn't matter what kind of services you're providing it doesn't matter that you happen to be selling a product that involves website design or painting signs or anything that could, uh, you know, involves words and speech because a lot of businesses involve words and speech. And if we're going to create a – say that there's a First Amendment exception for every single product or service that involves anyone saying anything or using words or being expressive in any way, then that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a loophole that swallows the rule. So, I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm really, I'm really worried about how this case is going to come out. Based on the oral argument, the odds don't look great for for our side of this.
0: But let me let me ask you because I, for me personally, because I I am a freelance writer and I do put out my shingle to for people to hire me to write for them, and I write for different websites and different businesses and everything else. Um, if a MAGA Person contacted me and wanted wanted me to, wanted to do a website that was anti trans for example what would my legal rights be
2: well you wouldn't have to do it because political opinion and expression is not a legally protected category being gay is sexual orientation is the protected category um, same thing, yeah, if somebody wanted you to design a Nazi website or something like that, you, you don't have to do that. But by the same token, you, you couldn't turn someone away just because they were of German origin or right. because they're of a particular religious faith or because of their sexual orientation or because they're transgender or not transgender or because of their race. Those are personal characteristics, and that's what the law – This case comes out of Colorado, and, you know, that's what Colorado law, like other states, prohibits discrimination on on those bases. So it's really about you can't turn someone away because of who they are. It's perfectly fine to uh, decline business uh, because you don't want to give voice to, um, yeah, uh, you know, a particular political view that is, is offensive to you. But you know, designing right. a website for a gay couple—that's not political speech. That's just you're just providing the same service you would provide to any other married couple that wants to have a you know website to right. give the details we're right. getting married on such and such date, and here's where it is, and here's our you know gift list, and that kind of thing.
0: Right? Yeah, it's not like there's you're you're you are, you're doing a treaty sign on, on same-sex marriage or on marriage at all. Yeah, it's, yeah, I get it. Um, looking at the masterpiece cake case that that went before the Supreme Court and that ruling, and this one, what um, what hope or worry does that case give you in in this case? Reflecting on this case.
2: Well, masterpiece cake shop was um, a very good decision, and it. <laughs> strongly reaffirmed the legal framework that has been in place you know from time immemorial which is anti-discrimination laws can constitutionally require people to treat everyone the same and that the court strongly affirmed that i mean they did they did rule in favor of the Baker in that case, but it wasn't on free speech grounds or religious liberty grounds. It was just, it was on the ground that um, the court thought that the Colorado Human Rights Commission that had investigated the case had displayed bias against the Baker in its process of investigating the case. There were some statements uh, made by the commission at points that the court interpreted it as reflecting uh, hostility towards the baker because of his religious beliefs that's debatable honestly but um that's okay because they didn't they didn't unsettle or disrupt this long standing framework whereby the court has just continually said anti-discrimination laws don't generally implicate much less violate the first amendment but I fear that you know the court wouldn't have taken this case if it wasn't um, very seriously interested in changing that framework. If they were just going to reiterate what they held in matchpiece cake shop, you know, frankly, they probably wouldn't have taken the case. And the oral argument showed that a lot of the justices seem to be leaning leaning towards for the very. This will be the very first time in our country's history if we lose. That the court articulates a free speech exemption to an anti-discrimination law.
0: Mm. Well, it's so bizarre because, to your point, you know, this is all theoretical. There, there are no gay people asking for it. It's like it just, you know, it's it's um, kind of making a point uh, on the heads of people that that don't even want it, and and affecting our lives in other areas. Um, As a result, Um, looking at the the, when we have got a convoluted question here, which I'll try to make sense of Um, when when Title IX was in front of the Supreme Court, it was kind of a surprise when the decision came down that Neil Gorsuch was kind of the deciding factor um, that upheld. LGBTQ rights under that. Um, Do you look to some of the scary justices and see them as possibly wild cards in this?
2: I hope so, Rob. I hope so. Um, you know, Justice Kagan, who is very measured and very moderate, she has expressed great alarm at some of the court's recent first amendment free speech decisions, uh, and the fact that somebody like her, who is so careful with what she says, is has really been speaking in very strong terms, should should give us all alarm because you know she's not one to exaggerate, but she has described what the court has been doing with the First Amendment as quote unquote weaponizing the First Amendment. I mean, the court has really been using the free speech clause in particular to just strike down all kinds of laws that have previously been thought to be perfectly valid for a long time and so that that's my concern here like this is part of a bigger picture where the court is just on a on a little bit of a free speech rampage and uh, my my worry is uh, this is just going to be a very tempting uh, situation for them to do to to expand the scope of the free speech clause yet again, I mean, I'm pro-free speech. Of course, that's been so important for LGBT rights in this country, and I'm i a super strong supporter of, of the free speech clause. But to say that they're really turning something that is conduct, which is the selling of a service or a business to the general public, to turn that – into protected speech, that is going to radically change anti-discrimination law in a way that is going to invite so many people in the future to claim that they don't have to follow anti-discrimination laws because some, in, some, in some form or fashion, whatever they're selling, whatever service or product they're selling has some expressive component I mean, I'm just concerned with how divided and polarized our society is already. This is going to open mm-hmm. an absolute Pandora's box and invite people to start discriminating against each other on all kinds of bases because it won't – I don't see how they're going to limit the decision only to LGBT people, which would be bad enough, of course, but I think it's going to end up applying to every type of anti-discrimination protection, and what a mess that's going to be. It's just the last thing mm. that we need right now. Is, an invitation to more discrimination. So um, can you take us a little bit
0: into to kind of the, the doomsday scenario should they come down and carve this special niche for, quote-unquote, free speech under anti-discrimination? What, what, where do you think that would end up applying, and where do you think it wouldn't apply?
2: Well then part of my worry is I'm afraid it will apply uh to all kinds of things. I mean, you know, in Masterpiece Cake Shop the baker described himself as a as a cake artist. Uh you know, it could apply to interior design, to legal services, to uh selling, you know, clothes. You could say that no, I you know, I my I design my clothes to send a certain message. Um, and, I, and, you know, if I have to sell to a gay person or, you know, Lord help us, to somebody of a particular race or something like that, it sends a message, mm-hmm. I don't want to send. I mean, if you start to think about, just think about all the all the goods and services that we all buy every day, how easy it would be to, to, to claim that many of them have some sort of expressive component or a creative component, you know, an artistic component. I mean, even how, ha- even painting someone's house, for-, for goodness sakes. You could say, no, you know, I really put a lot of myself into this job and I bring my aesthetic sensibility to bear and I it would violate my right to free expression if I have to paint a gay person's house.
0: And uh, should, they, should they support this case? Um, is this going to be mandated to all states, or is there a possibility like they did with Roe where they try to throw it back to the states in terms of its implementation?
2: No, that's the scary thing about a constitutional ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court. It applies across the whole country. It will apply Mm -hmm. in every single state, and there will be nothing that states can do to get around it. Yeah, it would. You know, that's the danger here—that the court is going to say that the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution requires that every anti-discrimination law in the country have an exception for the selling of so-called artistic or expressive services.
0: Well, wow, that's yeah, that's um, Gary. What is the timeline on this? When do you think they will have the ruling?
2: Uh, June, I expect that we'll see this ruling in June. And I really do hope people are paying attention. And look, we need to, if this ruling comes down the wrong way, we really need to uh, set ourselves on fire. I mean, we need to not let this just become the new normal. We need to let the court know that people are not okay with that decision. And we need to rally, rally the troops and for one thing, we should be we should be encouraging businesses to pledge that they will not discriminate against mm-hmm. uh, same sex couples, even if they're now permitted to that they will not do it. I mean we can't let ourselves become like the you know frog slowly boiled in the pot where this becomes just a new normal, like oh, of course it's okay. To discriminate against LGBT people, if you have some sort of free speech or religious, you know, objection to it, that that would be terrible. And we we've, we've really got to stick up for ourselves right now. Yeah, it's um,
0: it's it kind of goes down to some economic theory that um, you know the it's a conservative one that that there shouldn't be laws, but that the feet on the street where we place our dollars. Is how we vote on these things. Um, we set up businesses that we will support and keep in business, and stay away from the ones that have discrimination policies. Which kind of played out with the uh, cake baker in Oregon a little bit, because they went bankrupt um, after their discrimination uh, thing, because suppliers and also sort of, you know consumers and suppliers did not want to do business with them uh, based on their their yeah. Their bigotry. Um, Shannon, what other cases are coming up in the pipeline that we also should be watching?
2: Well, uh, people should uh, be paying attention to there's a there's a case out of the Ninth Circuit that arose in Washington State, which was a challenge by the Alliance Defending Freedom, an extremely anti-LGBT group to Washington State's law protecting minors from conversion therapy. We won that case, and the Ninth Circuit affirmed the validity of the law, rejected their challenge to it, but now they have asked the Supreme Court to take that case. And that request is pending right now uh, before the court, Mm. and uh, that's one to keep an eye on. If the court takes that case, that 's obviously going to be uh, a hugely important ruling for our community, and that's another place where we're going to need a lot of public support. We really if the court takes that case, we want them to know that people are paying attention and that we will be absolutely outraged if they strike down those laws yeah
0: that that would be horrible um, in in terms of conversion therapy um, is there any effect that quote-unquote free speech might have on that
2: yeah well that yes this would be another free speech case that is the claim that the alliance defending freedom is bringing that these laws that prohibit therapists from performing you know a course of treatment on a minor patient to try to change their sexual orientation or their gender identity they claim that that is protected speech and that these laws therefore violate the free speech rights of therapists who want to engage in that treatment. And what the Ninth Circuit held correctly is that that's not protected speech; that's medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Like counseling and therapy is not a vehicle for a therapist to express their own views or opinions. They're providing like a scientifically grounded, objective treatment. For mental health conditions, and with with conversion therapy, there's no underlying mental disorder or condition. The treatment so-called does not work. It's completely ineffective, and it's incredibly harmful. I mean, it puts kids at risk of um, very dramatically increased risk of suicidality. So you can imagine if there was some, like, medication that doctors were prescribing just for something that – not to treat an illness like the person's fine but they're going to prescribe mm-hmm. you this medication. It doesn't do anything to help you and it you could and it could cause your death. Like of course we would ban that. So that that's the right way to think about these laws. They're not about speech, they're about treatment. But that said, this is the court that seems inclined to view almost everything as speech. So that's again that that's gonna be the challenge if they do take this case. It's gonna be another one of these free speech cases where there could be some new dramatic expansion of what constitutes free speech.
0: Yeah, it's um it's pretty bizarre and I, I guess for me personally the the scariest thing is I hear rhetoric out of conservatives that is so bizarre these days and illogical and um, delusional. I mean, it's going back to what we're hearing out of their mouths right now around, you know, the, the Nashville murders is like, I, on every side, on the, on the gun violence equation, on, you know, the transgender equation, on mental health, anything that they're opening their mouths on is so bizarrely out of touch. To reality and nowhere near trying to solve something, but rather just really trying to promote a narrative um, to their advantage. So, yeah, all of this is is, is very, very concerning and very frightening. Um, Brody, I wanted to give you a chance to pipe in on all this. You've been alarmingly quiet.
1: No, I just, uh, the flow of conversation uh, and Shannon in full transparency and I have a lot of Uh, conversations on you know different topic matters because he's one of my go to uh, for legal advice and for kind of giving me a pulse on where uh, NCLR and some of the other groups uh, are in regards to these cases and more importantly uh, to uh, to these situations so and as a matter of fact I know he's actually running late because he's got to go he's got another commitment uh, Shannon, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and kind of talking a little bit about uh, not only just the 303 uh, creative law, which is extremely problematic and very troublesome and worrisome, uh, but also to just kind of give you know an overview from your perspective uh, into all of this plethora of anti-trans, uh, you know, from everything on the theme to the you know, the meme that's becoming from the right to the shooting all the way down. So thank you very much for that.
2: Thank you Brody. And I, I do have to go, but I just want to say, thank you so much for your coverage. The blade has been incredible. You guys are doing such great work and uh, I don't take it for granted. I know how much, how much goes into that. I appreciate you both very much. Well,
0: Thanks, I want to thank you for, the... for, for, Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on here today, Shannon. Um, you know, obviously, Historic day and hopefully we'll have lots of people listening to this and we've got to um, Got to get a hold of a lot of narratives going on uh, across the board and just um, Also, thank you more importantly for who you are and what you do and the impact you've had on the LGBT community as a whole um, over your whole career Um, you know you are obviously a historical figure in your own right And um, I just want to let you know it is deeply, deeply appreciated.
2: Thank you for that. Appreciate you both. All right, we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Thank
0: you so much. So so, um, that was Shannon Minter. Um, Shannon, again, is the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Um, And, you know, Shannon has been very, very involved, Um, absolutely an award-winning um lawyer um is the name best of on uh, a whole roster of categories um were they best of California best of best of that um so well recognized there um Shannon was also the lead counsel for the same sex couples in the landmark California marriage equality case um so you know definitely has been part of our history um, so that is pretty much it for today. Um, again, the day that Donald Trump, um, the first past president in history to be indicted for a criminal case um, that happened today. And you can remember that um, when you listen to this podcast. Um, and you will probably know more about what happens with it than we do now because we're only at the beginning of it. But I want to thank you for listening. Um, also, again, Um, To Shannon's point, read the Los Angeles Blade, um, really top-notch journalism of the stories you want to hear about, losangelesblade.com. I want to thank Brody for his participation in this show and as editor of said publication. And as for Rated LGBT Radio, we will see you and talk to you again next week.